Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Wow, buddy! You look healthy and happy. Veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. That's why he developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Hmm. Maybe I should try some of your pet food myself. Okay, okay. I'll start with a salad. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. While the figures may show and indicate that it has gone down, business owners will disagree and certainly it does little comfort the people who actually are the victims, the people behind those figures. The guards can't do everything. And we said the last time, like, you know, they can't simply be relied upon to fix every single problem. And a lot of these stem from, you know, deep societal issues, homeless crisis in the city at the moment. You've serious drug problems in part of the city and the guards can't solve them. But unfortunately for them, they have to deal with the, the effects of it. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. After a summer of headlines about violence in Dublin, armed guardi are set to patrol the streets of the city. This week it was announced that armed officers will maintain a visible presence in the city after an outcry about law and order. A new €10 million plan came in after business owners met with Gardaí to claim there had been a spike in antisocial and violence in the inner city. But in a series of interviews, senior Gardaí suggested that the figures did not back up the perception that violent crime was on the rise. I'm Niall Donald and today I'm talking with Irish independent reporter Robin Schiller about whether Dublin is a lawless city. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So, Robin, if you were to read Twitter, you'd be, you'd be led to believe that the Iron Guardi are going to get out in the streets and start gunning down teenagers, but it's probably a, a bit of an over-exaggeration. But we are going to see armed officers on the streets of Dublin after really what has been a major outcry over the summer about lawlessness. I mean, what is the, the basic plan? Well, the basic plan is to allocate, I think it was €10 million Euro given by the government for overtime, and use it for all of Dublin, but a lot of it, obviously, the focus has been Dublin City Centre in the last few weeks and months. And a major part of that plan is uh, allocate a public order unit to patrol the city every day of the week. Now, the last few, I suppose, last two or three years during COVID, they were out a lot more. That was scaled back and you would have seen the National Public Order Unit out maybe on a Friday, Saturday night. That's been changed now. They have them out every day of the week from three o'clock in the afternoon to three o'clock in the morning. To provide that kind of extra additional visibility and support the uniform guardy out there, that's the main part of the plan. And as you mentioned there, the, the part that really took off on Twitter was the fact that armed guardy will be in the streets of Dublin. 
And it's nothing new, you know, the the Armed Support Unit have been there since 2016 in response to the Hutchinan feud. They've always been patrolling and there's this kind of idea that, as you said, you'll have armed guard with machine guns standing on the streets, gunning down people, you know, carrying out thefts and robberies. That's simply not the case. They're just a kind of additional presence and you do have knife crime, you do have serious assaults and I think it's better for everyone when that does happen, if you can prevent it, that when it does happen, that you have these trained officers who don't just carry guns, they carry tasers as well that they can get involved and try bring the stuff, bring these incidents to a safe conclusion. I mean, at the moment, like you have the the armed response unit, they tend to sort of, and correct my ignorance if I'm wrong, they tend to kind of circulate around, don't they? And they're, they're called in if, if needed. I mean, and they'd be called in relatively routinely for 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 incidents where they're, where they're not necessarily needed. Like they tend to circulate around the city. And if there's an incident, they'd be, they'd be called out. Instead, yeah. now they're, they're going to be maybe visibly on the streets. Is that, that, that is the basic difference, isn't it? Yeah, there's, I suppose they kind of float around certain units for the different guard divisions in Dublin. But I think the plan with this new announcement is that they'll, there'll be more errors allocated to ASUs to be around there. And again, it's going to be more so on cars. They're not going to be walking up Grafton Street with machine pistols hanging oh. off their, their side. Yeah, well, like Twitter is a, is a brilliant place, really, isn't it? And it, it? Brilliant, but terrible. Or it's X now, anyway, I suppose we have to X, also yeah. say. Um, Sometimes. But it, it becomes this debate about, you know, that, that we're going to, you know, that the solution to crime is either to get loads and loads of armed guardy out or else um, if we get armed guardy out, they're going to start gunning down teenagers for robbing a packet of crisps or whatever. Um, like there, it is a more complex phenomenon than that. Like, obviously, now we had a few interviews, one from Drew Harris um, this this week, and one from Justin Kelly, and then obviously Angela Willis spoke, another assistant commissioner, um, at a, a public meeting. Like, it is funny the way this issue has has come to the fore this month because maybe the statistics don't show that we are rapidly going to hell in a heart in a handcart or whatever the the saying is. Yeah. Like the, you know, and I think the guards have come out and sort of, um, they've talked about the perception of lawlessness and sort mm. of maybe subtly tried to suggest it's not as lawless as we think or we perceive. Um, like there were some figures to sort of back up what they're saying in terms of the assaults. Yeah. Isn't that, would that be accurate, would you think? Uh, yeah, well, the figures are the figures, I guess, you know, they're from the CSO. I think they recorded in the first seven months of this year. The recorded assaults in public places was around 2,353. The same period last year, it was up slightly to around 2,400, slightly over. So they have gone down slightly. What business owners will say is that the figures don't reflect the actual reality of working and being in the city centre that a lot of time assaults won't be reported. People don't see the point uh, or just won't report it for, for various reasons. And the other aspect is that you know assaults, even if they have gone down, which will be welcome, it does very little for the people who have actually been assaulted. For the likes of, you know, we spoke about the last time I was on the podcast about Stephen Termney being left in a serious condition hospital. You had another man stabbed on Grafton Street at nine o'clock on Sunday morning last week. You had another person slashed in the face and other UK tourists being assaulted. So while the figures may show and indicate that it has gone down, business owner would disagree. And certainly the, uh, it does does little comfort the people who actually are the victims, the people behind those figures. And it, it and that is a hundred percent accurate, of course. And and if you do walk through the city, like you do see a certain amount of of it's not just assaults, of course. That's not just the people who like we work here. Obviously, 
you know, people live here. It's not solely assaults aren't the only thing to take into consideration. There are, it, there is a kind of um, a certain amount of sort of visible antisocial behavior. And I think that is what some of the business owners are speaking about, I think. Yeah, Vincent's a criminal damage. It's not just people being assaulted. And in fairness to Angela Willis, the Assistant Commissioner for Dublin, she made the point that in terms of perception and feeling, there might be people hanging around who aren't necessarily doing stuff half the time, but there's a feeling that kind of edge towards, which adds, adds to this perception of fear in the city, which Gardy have been talking about. And trying to, I suppose, in their point of view, bring balance to it. Some people might say the trends are downplayed, but that's their view on what's going on in the city at the moment. Anyway. Yeah, because I mean, she kind of, um, and as you reported, she spoke about it, that the perception of crime is nearly more damaging than the reality of the crime. Like yeah. that, is, that is a way that the guards are, you see, it's a funny thing. It's it's like The Wire, you presumably saw The Wire as a crime reporter, did you? Several, I'm actually watching it for the fifth time now. Are you? Right, yeah, very good. Fan. I'm watching The Sopranos. But there is a bit of The Wire-like thing where it's something big in the media, occurs big in the media, say the, the assault of Stephen Termini, which is really, really shocking and mm. terrible. It somehow gets to the politicians who then get a load of grief in the media and they roll it all down to the police who then are forced to take a, take a bit of action. And it is funny, like, why this has happened now and, you know, is it is it justified, like... It's hard to say. And, you know, we had that big meeting at the Gated Heather this yeah. week where I think there's around 200 business owners and representatives meeting with Gardy and Noel Anderson. He runs the Lemon and Duke pub in the city centre. And he said it was like Groundhog Day, but the bigger, bigger version of Groundhog Day. Yeah. Where he's had these meetings before for the past 15 years. He says nothing ever really gets done. Concerns are raised. There might be a temporary response to it. And then it goes back to square one. So is it justified? I mean, the grand scheme of things, like if you have the stuff going on for so long and there's no real solution to it, it probably is justified to a certain extent that it should be highlighted. Yeah, I think it is justified that they, and the visibility of Gardaí has become a key issue that they're, that every single person from from the business owners, from the, the politicians and from the guards themselves seem to have recognised that, that, um, that that's needed and there is mm. there is a perception. Um, like they are going to put in, I think it's, is it 16,000 extra hours of of police time to to patrolling? Like it does again bring up the issue of, of do they have the money to do these things, the police, and do they have yeah. the manpower to do it? I think they definitely have the money. And, you know, speaking of people, overtime has never been an issue. You know, there's always been funding there for it. It's about getting people, guards to actually do the overtime. The ones they're doing at the moment can't physically do anymore. You know, you can only do so many hours uh, for your own well-being as well. And then the people who, the simple people who simply won't do it for different reasons, low morale in the job, they just, you know, they want to do their their four days on, their four days off and leave with that. So I don't think the money, while it helps, money always helps, you know, throwing money at something. I don't think it's the be all and end all. And you have to actually look at why certain people aren't doing the overtime, why there's resource issues in the first place. And, you know, people describe it, the overtime, the 10 million, the public order unit. Is that just a quick fix? Is it a short-term solution to a long-term problem? And, you know, in six weeks' time, are we going to be talking about the scan saying, well, it was nice well last, but now we're back to square one? Yeah, and I mean, the, the reality is we're obviously working on Talbot Street, as we said before, sort of, which has really been the epicentre of the of the focus of some of this because of the, the attack on Steve Termini and the, the fact that there's, you know, Tabbot Street is one of the more visible areas for, for this sort of problems. Like, if we get the guards on Talbot Street 24-7, I mean, what happens then? Does it just push it somewhere else? 
Yeah, I, it, it might stop in Tablet Street, but you just move the problem on to elsewhere. I think that's happened in recent years where, you know, Guardian might focus on the boardwalk where there has been serious yeah. issues, there continues to be serious issues, and then moves on to Tablet Street. And, and put Guardian Tablet Street moves somewhere else, you know. As a young man, Robin, you probably won't remember, this, but I mean, it was really start, this started on O'Connell Street, which, you know, there's still issues there, but largely some of the, the visible drug dealing, for example, was pushed off. O'Connell Street and it just ended up on Talbot Street yeah. and so you do see you know as I said on, on Twitter people saying it's always a, a law and order solution like is there any other talk of maybe broader interventions there doesn't seem to be does there? No. Now, that's not to say the guards should be coming up with these because obviously that's beyond their 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 powers and their, their resources. Yeah the guards have a job too obviously and now, the people on the ground do as best they can, but the guards can't do everything. And yeah. we said the last time, like, you know, they can't simply be relied upon to fix every single problem. And a lot of these stem from, you know, deep societal issues. You have homeless crisis in the city at the moment. You have serious drug problems in part of the city and the guards can't solve them. But unfortunately for them, they have to deal with the the effects of it. Yeah. I mean, they're dealing with the, the, the they're not getting to the root causes. Obviously, they're dealing with the consequences. It's funny, again, like that the, some senior guards became available to the media this week, I think, as as maybe a, a bit of bad publicity goes on. Um, not so much to the red tops, but more to the to the big papers, yeah. as somebody used to call it. But there was a, a assistant commissioner, Justin Kelly, spoke this week as well about what's known as the Portuguese model of basically decriminalising sort of possession of drugs. Mm. Um, and there's already discussions about this in, in the longer term about the position we take on on, on drug use in this country. Yeah. Um, in Portugal, obviously, they de- decriminalise possession for personal use and that people are then dealt with by the, maybe the health services as opposed to the criminal justice system. Now, he wasn't too complimentary. No. Um, I think he said that there was there was there was risks, um, sort of wider societal risks if you have if you have uh, decriminalized drugs, and it would lead to more sort of open drug use mm. on the streets. Is there any word from you know maybe the guards on the beat how they feel about this? Obviously, there's going to be a range of different opinions. There's a vast you know, range of different opinions put there. Some agree with it, some don't. Some see see there will be wider issues if you do decriminalize it. Some say that if you do that, the problem just gets worse. Some say you're fighting losing battle as it is. Others say you're trying to contain the problem at the moment. And uh, in relation to Justin Kelly's comments, whether you agree with them or not, I think it is important that somebody in that position is speaking openly about this. You know, yeah. we have a kind of thing in this country where we have our opinions and people in positions of power have uh, opinions and keep them to themselves. And I think it's important that it might even start a dialogue, you know, and you might agree with them, you might disagree with them, but certainly some of his comments are very interesting as well. I think he pointed out that with the Portuguese model, no other country has adopted it, um, even though it's highly cited by people who would be pro-decriminalization. It hasn't been developed in the same extent in other countries. Uh, Another point made was that, you know, if you you do legalize drugs, um, you might have a situation where people, you know, gangs aren't going to stop being involved in legal activity. And, you know, if the government tax drugs, um, put a bit of extra value on it. If you're used to paying a certain price for drugs, you're going to want to continue paying that price. So gangs will continue to use it as a, a black market effectively. Now, uh, I'm not you know, advocating for one way or the other, but yeah. they're certainly interesting comments and bring a, a different perspective into the debate. Yeah, I mean, like, personally, like, I don't know where I even stand on the whole thing. Yeah. Like, you know, it's very hard to, you know, the problem, of course, is people are suffer from addiction and whether drugs are legal or illegal, it does, it's not going to stop that. 
yeah. that core problem. I mean, we have seen, uh, and then everything becomes so politicized, doesn't it? I don't know if you probably don't watch Fox News or or, or in the US where they no, are constantly putting out pictures of people taking drugs in San Francisco. Yeah, I've, I've seen that on Fox News, but on social media, right? Yeah, yeah. And the reason that is because it's a liberal city who's taken a slightly more liberal approach. And it, it's like everything in, in the modern world, this becomes a way to say, you know, the, the world is collapsing because of liberalism. And you do see a bit of that, I think, in an Irish debate as well, don't you? In terms of you have maybe some some people using the, the problems of law and order in the city to sort of say where this society is collapsing and we need to return to some imaginary values, you know? Yeah, it goes by ways, I think, you know, people can politicise anything if they want. And that goes, it goes two ways. You can use it to say long order is collapsing. We need more guardy, we need to be more heavy handed or people saying that guardy might be too heavy handed that we need to decrease it. So you can always put a, a certain spin on stuff if you want to, if it suits your own kind of agenda. And that happens, it happens with Fox News, it can happen anywhere yeah. on social media, you know. Of course, and people always say that about Irish newspapers as well. But yeah. like, there's no doubt these things are just complicated uh, problems. We also had some talk about, about the... Uh, in a sort of another part of the forest about the dismantling of the Kinnan cartel, which is is also another change from the guards that they do seem to speak about it more. I mean, I remember the days not so long ago where they wouldn't even call the Kinnan cartel the Kinnan cartel, but yeah. they have done a series of interviews. I think about about the, the maybe the not the full demise, but the, the fact that the the control the Kinnan cartel had over the drug trade in Ireland is really you know deteriorated i mean that that would be your own feeling as well on from 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 your reporting yeah definitely they're not the uh they're not the top dog in ireland anymore by yeah. any stretch of imagination no, and the operations the the jailings of senior figures has worked in the last few years but the problem with that is that like and in terms of what they did and the murders they're involved in hopefully you won't see the likes of that again but in terms of other criminal gangs being involved in wholesale drug dealing and drug intimidation and violence Others have just taken over now. You yeah, know, we have uh, the family organized crime gang and body firm issue. You've you know, dozens of other organizations around the country. Some who we know of, some who we don't even know of. Yeah, you know? and once unfortunately it just goes full circle. Once they dismantle the likes of Kinnan Cartel, somebody else just takes over. But just hopefully, if they do, they're dealt with quickly, and you won't see the level of violence, the level of murder that we would have seen in Dublin few years ago. No, I mean, I think the sophistication of the new outfits probably will take a long time for them to reach what had, what had the canoes had been. But it is amazing the amount of drug seizures you see these days, I think. Yeah, in the last few weeks even there's been, you know, four million got down in Cork, another four or five million in Ross Lair and nine million seizures. So. And, and cocaine floating on the beaches of Donegal. Yeah, <laughs> all over the country. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, it just shows the amount of cocaine in the country at the moment as well, you know, and it's all about demand and supply. It does, and that's that's the other bit of the whole thing. Like once, there, as long as there's a demand, and not just a demand for people that maybe are on the streets and really suffering from addiction, but a lot of the the, the criminality is driven by the the demand from you know people living ordinary lives, if you want, in maybe middle class drug users, etc. Yeah, they're all part of the uh, the wider problem, I suppose. And the interesting thing as well, somebody remarked me there recently that with these kind of newer gangs, they seem to have gotten the picture that if you if you sell your drugs, if you go about your business, you're still going to be targeted. But if you don't kill people, essentially, if you're not yeah. dropping bodies, Gary won't go after you the same intent they went after Kinnons. And I think other gangs have learned that in just the last few years, the amount of gun murders related to organised crime has dropped significantly. Just like in the wire, Robin? Just like in the wire. Yeah, exactly. 
Okay, thanks very much, Robin. And we'll probably no doubt be back to this again because it's certainly uh, crime in the inner city is not fully gone away. No, it'll keep on ticking over, unfortunately. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, man. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume the Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.